The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across me is the one, the only, the terror herself, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Good morning, Tam. Good morning, everybody. So I need to call out another podcast, and I don't want to do it because it's a shitty thing to do, but here we go. Oh, my God. You're gonna? Uh-huh. Because it's, it's, it's kind of shitty, not just from us, but from them, too. So we did an episode about Ed Gein. In yeah, in October of 2021. This podcasting that I'm going to uh, that I am going to mention kind of I may not mention their name. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, don't mention their name. Here's what they did. They yeah. basically copied exactly what we did. They hadn't even fired off their own podcast by this point here. Yeah. And almost quoted us verbatim. Well, and then it's like um well, not really they didn't really quote us verbatim until the end where she said um some people question whether he was really a serial killer or not. And when I heard that, I'm like, we're the only ones I've ever heard say that. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, and I've listened to a lot of different podcasts and YouTube videos and read articles. And if somebody else has said it, you know, by all means, bring it to my attention. But I have yet to find anybody else who said that. I just, I find a lot, it, it, it's annoying that, honestly, this isn't tooting our own horn, but a lot of podcasts seem to be trying to uh, emulate us. Lately, yeah. As of late, and dude, we, we, we don't mind, but fuck's sakes, man. Give credit where credit's <laughs> Give due. Give some fucking credit. We'll do it if we emulate you. Yeah, if I'd we get like, something from your podcast, or, I mean, because we've done it before. Hey, we got this off so-and-so's YouTube channel. You yeah, know? you know, give me a shout-out. Jesus Christ. You know, don't... like, what's his name? The guy that we get our end of the thing quote from. Uh, dead Bugs. Oh, yeah, Dead Bug. I fucking yeah. love Dead Bug, man. But no, like, for real, man, like, uh, don't be shitty. Fucking, you know, send us an email. We'll we'll, we'll even collaborate with you. We're not yeah. total assholes. I mean, yeah. I am, but she's not. I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm a dick. <laughs> he is, kind of, yeah. Kind of a dick. No, but you know what? Just give credit where credit's due. We, we'll credit you. We'd, we'd even collaborate with you. We'll have you on the show, and we can do an episode together. Yeah, you know? don't mind. Shit. Don't mind at all. Anyway. You know. That's enough of my bitching for the day. I was just, I, I, I was just a little pissed. <laughs> I was a little fucking pissed. I was pissed. a little irritated to you. I was a little irritated to you, but whatever. You but, know. you know, it is what it is. But we always tell people, if you hear this on anybody else's podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if if the bastard fits. If the bastard wear fits. Wear it. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you gave me this guy. I think his last name is pronounced Coots or Couts. I think it's Coots. It's Coots. Yeah. Like Crash Bandicoot. Not even funny. Fine. My <laughs> ex-wife had a big coot. Is that better? <laughs> no, your ex-girlfriend. She was never your wife. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, no. I, was, I wasn't even thinking of her. I was thinking about my actual ex-wife. Oh, which one? <laughs> I know not number one. Not number one. I would never say anything bad about Maritza, ever. No, I would I would hurt you if you ever said anything about my I say <laughs> I say enough bad things whenever her and I are talking on the phone like I'm going to have her deported. I'm surprised she hasn't murdered you yet. <laughs> you know, honestly, me oh, too. I also want to give a shout out to our, our listener, Ashley, on fa- on Citizens of Brutal Nation. Yes, I think he's trying to, he's, he's, I don't have to think he is. I know he's plotting to kill me as we speak. Oh, hold on. Okay, so for those of you that aren't part of Citizens of Brutal Nation, which I encourage you to go, 
So, yeah, because we have a lot of fun on there, too. I can't remember who asked the question. I did. It was you? Yeah. And the question, Here's my question of the day. Yeah, was, is there any celebrities that you think are secretly serial killers? So so we brought up Tom Cruise. Yeah, again, because I put that in that other group, remember? And then my, my sister wife actually said it without even knowing I said Tom Cruise. <laughs> right, you know, and then we, we, we've had, uh, what, what was it, uh, Quentin Tarantino, things like that. Oh, yeah. And then here Chris comes. Chris Glover, Christopher Walken, yeah. And here comes freaking you, Ashley. You it, know who you are, you Ashley. You know who you are, goddammit. It go, gives the name, and then after that goes Scott Alexander. I'm like, oh, fuck, what the hell, man? <laughs> Y'all are supposed to love me. Pick on her, for fuck's sake. Yeah, and then it's like, and then she, I didn't even see the comment where she said Scott Alexander. And then she goes, uh, no comment about Scott being a serial I said, first of all, I didn't see it, but, you know, I don't even have to, I don't think he's going to, you know, I don't sit over here and think. Is he going to kill me? I think he is. Just when and Look, how. <laughs> I don't have anybody stored in my basement. Hold on one second. Shh, quiet down there. <laughs> you don't have a basement asshole. I'm stomp on the floor a little bit. You know you it's crawl coming space. to you. Get back in that hole. <laughs> Sorry. I had to take care of some business <laughs> right there. He's got a crawl space like John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> That's what I want y'all to think. I'm kidding. Have you been around the side of the house? <laughs> Which side? The far side by, uh, like, that opens up to my back gate? Yeah, I have, actually. Oh, you didn't see a door, huh? Interesting, okay. I did see that little, like, it looks like a freaking five-gallon bucket lid on the thing right out your back door. How do you think I feed them? (laughs) I'm like, when I asked you, I was like, what the hell is that? You're like, I have no idea. (laughs) You have to feed them just enough to keep them alive, man. It's best for the suffering. (laughs) Because I'm an asshole. And that's why the cops are at your door now. <laughs> I don't know who's going to get me first. Like, I don't know if the cops are going to arrest me for something, or the Catholics are going to sue me, or the Jehovah Witnesses. Or Andrew Solomon. Or Andrew Solomon. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that one. That well, one we haven't aired, aired that yet. Yeah. Um, who else? I, I, You know, like I said, Catholics, Christians. I, I, um, Maritza. Maritza's just going to stab me. Yeah. She's going to be tired of my shit one day. She's going to come up here to visit. She's going to say, you know what? I'm going to come visit you, and then she's going to stab you. And, and she's going to get totally ghetto. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Instead of saying something like, que pasa? Hola. Que onda, wey, pendejo. <laughs> she's like, hey, vato. You make one too many Mexican jokes. <laughs> I would you look need to die. Because she doesn't have an accent at all. But Not she's going to look at me, and she's going to go, you know, <laughs> I is tired of your shit. <laughs> You're going to die like Pancho Villa. <laughs> this is going to be a ha 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 Like, what's his name in um, From Dust Till Dawn? Uh, Dan, Danny Trejo. Yes. In that bar down in Mexico. <laughs> or the uh, uh, Cheech Marin's character out front. I love that. <laughs> we got big pussy, small yeah. pussy, fat pussy. <laughs> if you can find that bo- better pussy at a better price, fuck it. I love the, his whole character character right yes, there. Yes, I love Cheech Marin anyways, but yeah. Nobody can pull that off but Cheech Marin to make yeah, it that fucking funny. Exactly. Well, and, you know, their classic line from Up in Smoke, I think it was, where they got they were like smoking that doobie in the car with the windows up, and cop pulls him over, and he goes, dude, have you been smoking weed? Yeah. Where's your license? You passed it on the way up. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, dude. I love that movie. That's freaking Okay, awesome. so anyways, <laughs> we got off topic here. Here's Graham Coots, right? Now, this was another one that Hold my on, What sis- are you vaping? Um, it's Lost Mary Spearmint. Why, you like the smell of it? It smells so good. It didn't smell spearmint. It smelled kind of caramely, but it was, it was I don't know. Good. It's spearmint. 
Um, anyways, um, my sister, M- Melissa, also Melissa Smith, also brought this one to my attention. Who I want to point out, I love your sister because she totally encourages me to bang your mom. I hate you both. I'm sorry. Know. It's not going to be a bang. It's to be making sweet love to Squatch's mom. I know, but you who it, wasn't it that you said something about? What did you say? You uh, and I love your sister. I and I can't remember what you said about her, but it was so funny. Fucking, I can't remember either. <laughs> but you're like, and I love your sister. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, it was a bad joke, and <laughs> it I, was. Yeah, and I made fun of your sister about something. I said, yeah. keep in mind, man, I, I love, love your sister. sister. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, because uh, this one is out of the UK, and cheerio. Um, yeah, and I actually titled it A Man Obsessed with Violent Sex and the Victim Who Lost Her Life. Um, and it has to do with dark web, again. Um, but this guy... Oh, am I not close enough? There you go, thank you. Okay, sorry, I lifted my head for a second. I, I know, I, I, I kind of yeah. give you the finger. I know, you only, always give me the finger. Only because it, it beats trying to chase you. Like with the volume, mo- with oh, the no, you're fine. monitoring and all that shit. Yeah. So basically, many people are oblivious to the harsh reality of the danger lurking in the world around them. In we fact, just did this. No, well, I not, talked not, to you not, about not this, this one. one in particular, but our, our the last episode when we had Todd on, we were oh, talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah, we talked about. This isn't what that one is about, though. Okay, go for it. Yeah. In fact, I would venture to say most are completely unaware there is such a thing as the dark web. Uh, with researching the various cases we present, we come face to face with violence and darkness people keep hidden from the world. I thought it was the regular web, but then I turned my back and my wallet was gone. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Although many people aren't affected by hearing about certain cases, very few can delve behind the curtain to gather the information needed to give people a clear picture of what happened. I'll be the first to tell you, it's not easy. Scott and I have learned to compartmentalize in order to separate what we're learning from what is happening in our lives at the moment. You have to in order to cope with the horror of it all. Even though we have learned to separate everything, sometimes reality sneaks up behind us and knocks us back a step or two. Or humps us. It <laughs> yeah. does that occasionally, too. I'm like, hey, who's behind me? Ah, oh, my butt. You sub lube. Tell me I'm pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of me as soon as I said, yeah, what you said. I figured like, that would be a time bomb when they get second or two. Yeah, that was a time bomb. So when Melissa Smith brought this case to us, I didn't have a clue about what I was in for. I've been looking into different true crime cases since I was 18 years old. However, I didn't really start delving into cases so thoroughly until Scott and I started this podcast project in 2021. Now, when we say this isn't for the faint of heart or easily offended, we're not kidding. It's a true warning about the danger and darkness that is lurking in the world around us. Wait, wait, not, not that you mentioned that. This is why I warn people when they go, hey, we want to check your shit out. Uh, yeah. I tell them, if you're easily offended, it's not the podcast for you. And if you are listening and you are easily offended right now. and you've Turn it al- off. If we've already, you've already heard the warning, if you bitch. Yeah, it's your own fault. It's now. your own fault. And I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. Especially if I know that you've gotten the warning. Like, you, well, he said it, if you're easily offended. And then I was easily offended. I was He's so offended. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, you know what? Eat a bag of dicks. Because <laughs> I warned you. I fired yeah. a warning shot. Matter of fact, I usually fire several warning shots. Look, man, you know, I make a lot of jokes. I make a lot of ethnic jokes that are just jokes. Like, for example, I never... I never really tell. I, I tell Maritza occasionally I'm gonna have her deported, but she knows that I'm kidding. It's a it's it's been a running joke between her and I for. I was gonna say uh, since you guys met, right? 
30 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been a kind of like, just like when I call her up and I sit there and go, this is Officer Smith from the INS. Miss Mara, 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 you know who you are, you Mexican. Get on the damn bus. You're going back home. She knows it's just a joke. I'm not going to say, I'm not trying to get anybody deported. And I actually have mad respect for my first wife. Oh, She's me too. Fucking amazing. An amazing woman. Oh, she is amazing. I love her. I would marry her. So, yeah. Just want to throw saying. that out there, man, because <laughs> with more and more people that are reviewing the podcast and shit like that, people are yeah. like, oh, my God, he said the F word. Oh, and now now my vagina's dried How up. do you do a true crime podcast and keep it clean? I don't know how you do it. My vagina's, I tried. My vagina's dried up. Sir, you don't have a vagina. Are you judging me just because I have testicles? I have a mangina. Okay, you know what, <laughs> sir? You need to leave. Like, the door's right there. You know, fuck out is what you need to do. That's what you can get well, from us. You can get the fuck out. That's what you can get. Well, it, I mean, what was it you and I were talking about? Oh, shit. I can't remember what we were talking about. Manginas? No. I can't remember My now. My penis? Right off hand. No, you talk about that a lot. <laughs> me me banging myself all around the world? No. I can't remember now. Whatever. That's not the point. Except for Australia. But Australia, <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> No, Pun I know intended. what I was going to say. Is we tried? Remember when we tried recording a clean podcast and we just <laughs> couldn't do it? That lasted a whole two episodes, maybe maybe, maybe half an episode. Because I think you and I both said the f word twice. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it sounds about right. We would have been kicked off of PG thirteen for reals. Well, that, that's what I was telling Todd. Todd and I, Todd Cole, up the, the the serial killer. For those of you that don't know, that we talk to all the time. Him and I were talking and uh, about. We're heard worldwide, even though our social media presence currently sucks. Right, because we haven't really had time to right. you know, do our um, social media. And plus, I kept back on staff and a bunch of other shit. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, there's some countries we're not allowed in, like Korea. I would love to have the Korean market. Oh, me too, because they got some fucked up people in Korea. Yeah, but we don't have Killer that market wise, because we, I, we say fuck. We say the F word. We're explicit. Yeah, we just picked up a couple li- a listener in Scotland, too, remember? She really? Telling us, yeah, because I told you how she just said that we covered the Dunblane Massacre, and she remembered uh, it as if it was yesterday. Do you remember her name? Uh, you don't have to look right it up. Ha- I'm, locked on, I'm locked out of Facebook, remember? <laughs> okay, it's a lady who... Yeah, I can get her name later, but she's out of Scotland. Oi, how's Nessie? I know. Are, are you at send, the lock, lassie? Send us, send us a picture of Nessie. <laughs> I want to see Nessie. Better stand. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to go play golf with Nessie. That's right. She's going to go play golf with Nessie. Where the kilt? You go over a kilt with if he's calling. <laughs> okay, we're done. We love you. I, I, I do. I, 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 I love make Scottish. I, you know what? If some guy had a Scottish accent and talked to me right now, I would be so butter. True fucking story. I got a story and then we'll get back on topic. So I'm, I'm flipping through TikTok, right? Uh-huh. There's oh, a, are you talking about that little girl? No. She oh. she was one thing, but this was a grown-ass woman. Because I'm not, I, <laughs> what I'm about ready to say, I don't want anybody to think it's a little girl. Oh, no. I was like, She's got this awesome red hair, and she, I can't remember what her name is. She's, and I'm from Scotland, and she's talking to, oh, my God. I was like, I have a hard on. This, just look, oh my just God. listening to you. I know, right? Like, I'm ooh, just like, but Good Lord, this is better than porn. Holy yeah. fuck. Yeah, no. Love that accent. No, I'm waiting for the guy that Todd gave us information on from Australia to contact us because, dude, he oh, can yeah. talk to me all day long. I'm just like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> all right, let's talk about this Graham. Okay. Uh, but anyways, big I want to say that I'm actually glad that most people are completely oblivious to some things that are happening in the world. However, sometimes people need to get a peek behind the curtain so they don't fall victim themselves. In my opinion, that's what this case is about. Okay? 
Now, let me get, begin by introducing the two principal players involved in this case. First, we have the killer, Graham Coots. In this corner, we're blue you're, trunks, Graham Coots. You're going to love this. Graham was a struggling guitar player and part-time sales representative living in Brighton, England. Oh, okay, Graham, if you can hear this, if you're struggling, it means fucking learn to play the damn instrument better. Like, seriously, if you, if you want to be in this music, in the music industry, because I'm in it, you got to be good. You got to be at the top of your fucking game. Not the best, but the top of your fucking game. Yeah. Practice, you dipshit. I hate when people yeah. are like, I'm, I'm struggling and da, 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 and I can't get this or that. Well, uh, practice harder. Yeah. Try harder. Do better. Yeah. Well, and Graham enjoyed participating in different BDSM sex acts, which I don't have a problem with. I'm all for that. I yeah. do the same. In fact, his girlfriend, Sandra Gates, I'll talk about her in a minute, later said he really enjoyed practicing bondage when they had sex with each other. He <laughs> also enjoyed what's referred to as erotic asphyxiation. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, just in case you're not aware, because I know some people aren't, erotic asphyxiation is also known as air or breath play. And if it you're is, into that, send me an email. <laughs> I was just say it's a form of BDSM where one sexual partner restricts the airflow of the other partner for a short amount of time. And this is usually done at the moment of climax, as it's said to enhance the effects of orgasm. Does it? It does. That's a fa- No. I was just say, I don't know. All my perviness aside, we were talking about my ex-girlfriend, Autumn, and her and I used to do that, right? Right, because we oh, talked about yeah, kind God. of BDSM with Todd on another episode. Yeah, Dude, I tell you what. Fucking amazing! Is it? Oh yeah. Uh, maybe I like not it not to the point that I'm gonna do autoerotic asphyxiation, like choke myself while I'm jerking off or anything. No. But with a partner that knows how to do it. Oh. Right. Well, and hold I'm on. Getting... Don't judge you motherfuckers out there. I I feel you. I feel you <laughs> I already. Th- I feel the judgment. <laughs> I do. the right. Like, oh no, my god! I mean, what a thick master. Well, and I will say that in the BDSM community, breath play is actually known as one of the most dangerous kink activities, especially because it involves cutting off your partner's oxygen supply. If it's done impro- if it's not done properly, it can cause the death of the person who's having their oxygen intake restricted or not safely. Because here's here's another thing that we used to do. Autumn would do it, and I would. Um, is that if the bre- if if we felt in danger, like we could, we're getting ready to pass out, whatever, slam your fist on or your hand on the bed or wherever you're at three or four times, and that that's the signal. Then you because you can't you can't give your safe word. You pound no, three or four times. And double then, tap the hand. I always double tap the wrist. And you, uh, yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, she's done that once or twice to me. She's she's grabbed my hand, you know, uh, and and kind of pulled away instead of just grabbing and holding on because that's a totally different play. Right. Yeah. Um, and that says okay, we need to kind of reset, but it has to be and. I'm only saying this because I want people to be aware. Yeah. If you're going to listen to this or anything else and get into that, have safety. Uh, be safe. Like that, right. That's the main thing. Have, well, yeah. Have things that you can do that your partner will know, okay, we need to reset. And it, it serves two things. Number one, it'll keep you alive. But two, it sucks when you're in the middle of playing and all of a sudden you have to completely stop and then yeah. kind of reset. This here allows you to kind of keep going on with the with with what you're doing. Right. But you hit the pause button for a minute. Yeah, you're yeah. you're just pausing that one single act. Right. And then kind of going at it. Well, again. yeah, and I do. I also give a warning here. Anyone who wishes to participate in erotic asphyxiation should learn about the proper technique before they engage in the activity, because it's not just about choking and restricting airflow. <laughs> no, there's a technique. Yeah, yes. You yes. also need to get your partner's consent before practicing it on them during sex. It should only be practiced with safety precautions in place, with the consent of everyone involved. 
and I can't stress it enough. Like honestly, I know I, I know that I give you guys a lot of jokes, a lot of my bullshit. But right. Honest to God, listeners, please love a God. But if you're going to do it, be safe about be it. Be very safe. Learn. Yes. Learn what the hell you're actually yes. doing. Don't just jump into it because yes. Believe it or not, it is. It, you can easily crush your girlfriend or boyfriend. The yeah, uh, the airway. soft the airway. You could like. Yeah, you can do so much damage. Yeah, and we don't, you know, you you, you right. want to be able to to have fun with that person again. You don't want to yeah, murder them. Exactly. Please be safe. Exactly. And next, there's Jane Longhurst. Now, Jane was a special needs teacher who wanted to be a musician living in Brighton, England as well. She was also best friends with Graham's girlfriend. Okay? Ooh, damn, now, this is a threesome. Sweet. Yeah, well, no. Oh. Now, let's look at the secondary players. First, there's Sandra Gates. At the time of the incident, she was best friends with Jane Longhurst, and Graham Coots was her boyfriend. Now, during his trial, she testified that he liked to practice bondage while they were having sex. In an odd twist, she was also pregnant with twins, and he is the father. Oh, damn. They didn't even need Maury Povich or nah. nothing. Go, Graham? You're the you daddy. are the father. Yeah. Then there's Malcolm's sentence. According to reports, he was Jane's steady boyfriend at the time of the incident, and the prosecution brought him to the stand to prove Jane and Graham didn't have a previously defined relationship before the incident took place. But I'll address that further in a moment. Um, as I already mentioned, Graham and Jane knew each other. He was dating her best friend. However, the nature of their relationship was questioned during his trial. According to Graham, on the day of the incident, he and Jane were having consensual sex and practicing erotic asphyxiation when she accidentally died. The prosecutor tried to refute his claim that the sex was consensual by introducing the fact that she was in a steady relationship with Malcolm Sentence. However, let me play, I was going to say, let me play devil's advocate. At no time did Graham say they had an ongoing relationship sexual relationship and in fact by his own statements to the authorities the day of the incident was the only was the first and the only okay I, I said it backwards was the first and only time they engaged in any sexual acts with each other just because she's in a steady relationship doesn't mean she didn't engage in consensual sex with Graham on the day in question that's true I, I'm going to say that I, I up so, front I sound like a whore but I have boned many married women you have boned many a women, period. And nuns and housewives. And I, I'm a whore. God damn it, don't judge me. Have you really had sex with a nun? I have. I have banged I, and uh, and plenty of preacher's daughters. Oh, I bought preacher's daughters, I believe. They're fucking awesome. Yeah. Or hardcore Catholic Son girls. Son of a preacher man is also very hardcore. Catholic girls uh, that, I don't mean like uh, like kids, but that, were, that are, are, are. Any stri- hardcore PK, they are freaks. PK? Preacher kid. Preacher kid. Gotcha. <laughs> no, they are. It's, it's freaking fantastic. But, uh, yeah, people who were raised in the Catholic Church, went to Catholic school, all that good stuff. And they're, we believe in Jesus and we're praying. And then behind closed doors, they're like, spank my ass, Scott, and wear your spurs and cowboy hat. And you're like, whoa, the right. fuck? Yeah. Okay, you ready? Uh-huh. According to Graham, because uh, this is what happened. Um, according to Graham, on March 14, 2003, he and Jane met to have consensual sex. While they were having sex, they engaged in consensual erotic asphyxiation where he tied some nylons around her, around her neck and, like, as a ligature. During their breath play, Jane accidentally died. Now, I wasn't there, so I can't say whether he's telling the truth. However, I can say this. When he realized Jane wasn't breathing, he didn't try calling for help or help her. 
Instead, he took her lifeless body and stashed it in an empty shed. Then he moved it from the shed to an empty apartment nearby. And after that, he placed her body in a storage facility for approximately three weeks before he transferred it to a wooded area in West Sussex where he set it on fire. Now, it was at that point when her remains were found. Now, before I go any further and you think, okay, the guy panicked and didn't know what to do. He was a struggling musician who was trying to make ends meet by working as a sales representative. People automatically assume people who engage in BDSM play are degenerates. (laughs) And he would have been in trouble no matter what. I also went with this line of thinking. However, there's one thing that stopped me in my tracks. Were you being choked? Have you ever been tied up, Tammy? (laughs) No. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) For people who don't know that joke, my dad said that to me when he was high on morphine right before when he was on hospice. And it was a traumatic experience for me. And I made the mistake of telling Scott he said it. I am not the guy to share. Like I, I have friends that yeah, told me, you know what's really great is I like it when my wife sticks a, like this up my butt, thinking that, dude, you're going to try this. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you yeah. got it up the butt. Because I'm yeah. a dick. Yeah. But I make fun of myself. I make fun of myself, too. So there you go. Yeah, he does. He does. Totally. So this is what stopped me. Graham stored Jane's remains in a unit at the big yellow self-storage depot. That's the name of the place. Thank goodness that they, they, that they specified weeks. that because I was going down that same road and I saw the big blue storage <laughs> depot. And had I not known that one was the big yellow one, it would have been over. I would have been lost. I would have been, where the hell is this? I see, I see blue and red. It's a purple. Oh, I'm looking for yellow. Okay, thank yeah, goodness. Yeah. That's the name of the place. Anyways. So he stored it there for three weeks. At first, I thought he'd stored them there until he could fi- figure out how to dispose of them because he was afraid of what people would say and think that they found out she died during BDSM breath play. But then I came across one more little tidbit of information. During those three weeks, Graham returned to the storage facility no less than nine times. Although there might be a bizarre expl- explainable reason. I perceived it as him visiting her, revisiting her corpse to relive the incident of her death repeatedly, almost the same way Gary Ridgway did after he disposed of his bodies. And Ted Bundy, but let's not get into that. A lot of serial killers do that. I mean, Christ sakes, Jeffrey Dahmer kept parts of bodies in his in freezer. Right, fr- yeah. In his refrigerator. Yeah. So. And another couple we haven't featured yet, even though you insist we have. I know we haven't. Stored ahead in the fridge, remember? Yeah, no, I remember that one. Yeah. But, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer just loved to eat out. He just didn't like to leave the house. Yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. So Graham went on trial for murder the first time in the beginning of 2004. After his appeal, a new trial was granted, which took place in 2007. During both trials, he admitted that for as long as he could remember, he had a fetish for women's necks. In fact, he was obsessed with the act of strangulation through breath play. Again, not a bad thing if done properly. According to his own testimony, which was corroborated by a couple other witnesses, he had participated in erotic asphyxiation with more than one consenting sexual partner on multiple occasions for several years prior to this. Each time he and his partner engaged in breath play, they could do so with no questionable results. So reports indicate that he freely spoke to his defense attorney about his fetishes. In fact, he could prove that several years before Jane's death, he consulted a professional psychiatrist about his fetishes because he thought there might be might he might need to seek help for his obsessions. Okay? 
Now, although he felt his thoughts were not natural, there is proof that he began searching the dark web for violent pornography. In fact, evidence was presented during his trial that he accessed images and video that depicted rape, simulated strangulation, and necrophilia, all of which are considered paraphilic psychological disorders or unnatural sexual fetishes. What's wrong with uh, necrophilia? Everybody likes to crack a cold one every once in a while. I don't even like beer, but that was a disgusting (laughs) joke. Now, according to John Kelsey Fry, that's the lead prosecutor in this case, um, the day before Jane died, Graham was on the internet and downloaded several photos depicting women being strangled. There's nothing wrong with well, that. Well, right. Thereby, according to Fry's argument, causing Graham's, quote, sexual behavior and mo- murderous intent. I, as well as others who question his claims, dispute this was the catalyst that caused Jane's death. The reason I dispute this argument rests on one fact. Graham had a access, viewed, and downloaded numerous images and videos related to violent pornography pornography for at least five years before she died. Therefore, by him accessing and downloading images the day before the incident does not automatically imply premeditation on his part. Okay, look, look, and I want to come to his defense. I want to play devil's advocate on this because I've been known to watch, not all the time, it's just, you know, sometimes I look for the weirdest shit I can. Oh my god, yes. Some porns that 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 are violent. Oh yeah, I've watched some too. You know, Sometimes uh, I can't. I'm like, no, I can't watch this. Yeah, yeah so, sometimes yeah. it's it's a little too much. Yeah. But um, with that said, at no time have I gone out and choked anybody to death, raped anybody. No. Anything like that. Have I had aggressive play in the bedroom? Fuck yeah. Several times because I've been with some women who have like rape fantasies. Oh, yeah. And it's called. Uh, con- it's it? called consent or non-consent. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's fun because. You kind of know what it's about, and you know that nobody's really being hurt in it. Right. You know? So, I I don't think him looking at any type of porn necessarily says, this is what, you know, he did this, and look what he did, blah, blah, blah. That's stupid. That's It's it's as stupid as the ones that we do that that the uh, defendant sits there and goes, I watched a movie, and it depicted a guy doing this, and I thought... Automatically, I have to do this too. That's stupid. No movie. If a, if a movie by itself is doing that to you, then you're a fucking idiot. Then you need help. You, you need, need more than seek, help. No, you need to seek psychological. You need to seek counseling because there's something not right within you. Yeah, that's you know? just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. No, I, I just I can't, it's just stupid. Like, I, okay, let's go back to a funny one that I sent you because we're just gonna do the whole episode. We're not gonna split this into two because okay. of my banter. Or my, my, my mouth. But um, I sent you the one. I, I, I sent Squatch over here a video. and it I'm was, scared which one. It was a midget. Oh, my God. Dancing on a table during a birthday party. and Ends up having sex with a clown. Well, hold on. There was a baby man oh, child yes. in diapers. Apparently, it was its birthday. And his mom was patting his head. And then there was a clown involved and two black guys at the table that looked and then they got up and walked away. And they're dressed up in suits. and They're like, nah, we're yeah. out of here. We're uh, and adios, they, bitch. Not they <laughs> bail. And the, uh, the, the, the clown banged her, right? Yeah. Okay. On the table. Now, I watch weird shit. Why? Because honestly, porn doesn't even turn me on anymore. I try to just find the weirdest stuff I can. Uh-huh. Because to me, it's entertaining. That doesn't mean, though, that I'm going to get a midget... 
to dance on my table. And have sex with a clown. And have you? sex with a clown. With a guy at the end of the table dressed like a baby? Yeah. That's <laughs> not going to happen. Your intern. <laughs> I, I sent you another one. And I, and I feel so bad for, for Tammy because working for me and being my, my personal assistant has got to be a trial. Oh because God. There's a clause in my contract that I can't sue you for sexual harassment. I know. <laughs> well, you want to know why? Because I need somebody to share this shit with. Um, but... I sent you the one where the where the girls having a dream where the guys oh my being God, birthed yes. by a giant vagina. Yes, I'm not. I, that's not going on in my room. Or how about the one where the guy's sticking his head? His oh whole head. my God! Yeah, you're not doing that in your room. At, at least I would hope. Not. At no time, and I'm I've got a shaved head. I'm not putting trying to put my head into anybody's vagina. So. I, I, it just irks me when prosecutors and media and shit like that go, and he watched this on the internet. Yeah, This is, you know, see how yeah. sick he is. Well, this was brought up in a case we did way back when, remember, where this teenager murdered his neighbor. And um, they tried to say that the act of stabbing her was sexual in nature. And you and I were like, no. Well, because he downloaded porn. He's 14. He's 14. He's going to watch porn. He's going to watch porn. He's probably masturbating. He doesn't doesn't have to go through the struggles that I did when I was a teenager trying to get porn. No. He's got it. I mean, well, no, because in the early, late 90s, it still wasn't as easily accessible. But still, I'm just like, you know, that's what 14-year-old boys do. Right. Period. No, uh, totally. You know, but it's just we, mean, we see it time and time again. Though that every time any murder happens, mm-hmm. if they find any remnants of any kind of porn, and it could just be regular porn, it could yeah. be B-rated porn where you don't actually see anything going down. Oh yeah, like Skinamax type. Yeah, porn. like Skinamax type, type of porn, and every, and the prosecutors and uh, the media will automatically and he was watching pornography. Yeah, it's called yeah, it's called soft porn, but yeah, no. It's like, um, look, I just happened to watch this over here on Skinamax. I didn't, you know, it's it's implied that they're doing it, but he was a pervert. He watched, or, or you know, he watched a movie that had a sex scene in it. He so watched Game of Thrones where they practice woman on woman sex. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they they make a huge deal out of it, dude. Dudes, yeah, sex is sex, man. If people watch porn, people don't watch porn. That's your that's your own deal. It's. I'm sure that it's in some ways it can be a contributing factor, okay? Because there's a point oh, where sure. a, a person's brain goes, okay, this has been in my fantasies, and now I want to make it a reality. Yeah, kind of like, what's his name? Uh, Sagawa. Yeah, like like, like Yusuke yeah. Sagawa. Yeah. Um, you know, that was his fantasy, and he made it into a reality and ended up killing a classmate. Yes. And, and, and eating her. her. And not in the good way, not the way that no. I would eat a woman. No, like, not at all. He, like, literally cut her body up and ate it like sushi. But, um, yeah, people want to focus on that bullshit, and it's it's ludicrous, you know? Well, yeah. They'll find one thing and latch onto it, and I've brought this up about Todd Kolop a lot. Everything that I've ever watched on Todd... Oh, yeah, goes, about the goldfish. Yeah, he murdered a goldfish when he was a child. Yeah. Well, the true story is he wanted to go outside and play. He, and he was, what, seven? Like seven or eight or something yeah. like that. And he knew that bleach cleaned things, and he put some bleach in the goldfish tank, and Thinking. the fish died. Yeah. It's a fucking goldfish. You can scare a goldfish Dude, you tap to death. on the tank, and it can scare a goldfish to death. You walk Literally. by its bowl, and you go, boo, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it goes, oh, and you got a floating goldfish. It doesn't yeah. take much. But that's what every one of them. He was, cr- I, I saw, what was it? Um, 
world's most dangerous people or something like that or world's most evil evil yeah. and the psychologist lady with short dark hair she yes. says well it's obvious because he even killed the goldfish I'm, uh, you dumb twat that has <laughs> nothing to do with it yeah he well, killed we it. Had it was that, an accident we he also had out. that come up when uh Catherine ramsland and i i always call her out on this because oh yeah when she, when she did that whole synopsis on Carl Panzram. She did not take any of his past into consideration. He was just a he was just a sexual sadist sociopath who wanted to kill people. Right. Right. It's right. like, okay, but he was made that way. And yeah. she didn't take any of that into consideration. It's like, how can you as a psychologist not include their past in their whole, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Their whole picture. But I also want to bring up the fact again too. There were several witnesses who testified that he had practiced breath play in the past with no alarming incidents occurring. So by him accessing those images the day before, it wasn't. Pre- I don't think that was premeditation. It's no. something he had done for years. Yeah, no, totally. So there you go. But Fry, the attorney, also argued that the day before her, the day of Jane's death, Graham contacted her and lured her over to his apartment under false pretenses. Like, did he use a fishing lure? Like, I'm going to catch a big one. Hey, look at that. I got a vagina fish. Ooh, she's a bigot. She's a fighter. They got my 100-pound test on. Woo, look at He said that it was after she was at his residence that he suddenly attacked her and strangled her to death. I wasn't able to find any evidence that either corroborated or negated that argument. Okay, so when the defense was presenting their case, they called a former co-worker of Jane's to the stand. This witness told the jury that a few weeks before her death, she had actually told them that she engaged in sexual activity with someone that, quote, involved some kind of stopping breathing. Now, this testimony supported the defense's claim that Jane had a history of engaging in erotic asphyxia with partners previous to the incident with Graham. Now, the prosecution tried to dispute that claim by calling Malcolm Sentence, Jane's steady boyfriend at the time of her death, and Lincoln Abbott, her former boyfriend, to the stand. Each man testified at no point in any of their sexual encounters with Jane did they t- participate in erotic asphyxia. And they nor both did stood she up. ever ask them to participate. Just a minute. In breath play. Again, devil's advocate here. That does not mean it didn't happen with any of her other partners or hookups she may have had prior to meeting up with Graham on the day in question. Because sometimes people will go out of their comfort zone to satisfy those fetishes because they don't want people to look at them crazy. Exactly. And I bet you they both stood up and this is bullshit. She didn't even ask me. <laughs> you either? No, Lincoln. Me either. Oh, what my God. Fuck? That's bullshit. What the <laughs> fuck, man? We need a support group. This lady was told bullshit. Didn't even ask. Not, nothing? Nothing, brother. That's fucked. Let's go get a pint. Yeah. <laughs> You're so dumb. Let's 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 just fight this. <laughs> I want to protest. And I can't fight this feeling anymore. Oh my God, for real? <laughs> I forgot exactly what I'm choking for. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That was bad. <laughs> so Graham actually took the stand in his own defense and stated that after he put the stockings around Jane's neck, he began masturbating. It wasn't until after he achieved orgasm he noticed Jane was lying across his body, not moving. He said when he looked at her closer, he noticed that a significant amount of blood was emanating from somewhere on her body. Which tells me he wasn't really practicing it safe if he didn't realize something bad was happening. I wanted to throw that in there, too, because, okay, 
So the but breath- I do have something I want to get into a little bit later. But yeah, go ahead. But the breath play, when, when I've done this with other partners. You have to pay attention. The more you got to pay attention. Number two, on, only use a ligature if, and pay attention, boys and girls, because if you don't, I'm going to be pissed at the you personally. <laughs> no, it didn't. It's still going. Oh. It just it bellows onto the next track. But oh, any whoosies. You have to tie it in a way to where as soon as you, when you release it, mm-hmm. you automatically has enough slack to get enough air. Right. So because your 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 throat is spongy. Right. Okay. It's like a spring. So when you release it, the muscles are automatically going to push out out of just desperation for air, mm-hmm. and the lungs will. <gasps> right. Oh, you get that breath. Um, fuck. But it, it's way better if you're just starting out. I can't believe I give fucking sex tips these days. I know, right? But um, using your hands and using But he had been doing this for years, so, I mean... You would think he would know. Yeah, exactly. So, to me, it's like... I'll get into something here in a little bit. But from what I read, the prosecution's claim that Graham murdered Jane was based on three key points. One, did Graham realize that something serious had happened with Jane in enough time to stop what they were doing and seek medical attention? Number two, did Graham have motivation to cause Jane bodily harm and or death at the time of the incident in question? And number three, was Graham's testimony credibly enough for the jury to conclude he was giving them an accurate timeline of the events that transpired on the day in question? Now, the um, when they called ex- the ah, in relation to the first key point, if it weren't if there weren't any signs indicating Jane was in distress before her death was unavoidable. Or before her death was unavoidable, the prosecution wouldn't be able to establish. I put be- a beagle. <laughs> I don't, Isn't that what you put cream cheese on? A beagle? No, that's a dog. I thought that was the same as a cream. No, Jethro. You're, you're not supposed to put cream cheese on a beagle? No. So the prosecution wouldn't be able to establish Graham had an intent to murder her. In other words, he wasn't guilty of murder. Therefore, Fry had to call an expert to testify when signs of distress would have been clear. He called Dr. Vesna Jurovic, D-J-U-R-O-V-I-C. She was the pathologist working for the home office. She stated Graham should have known Jane was in medical distress approximately two, if not three, full minutes before her death was before her death was unavoidable. According to the doctor, had he stopped what they were doing and sought medical attention, Jane would not have died. In fact, there was a significant chance she would still be alive. Now, according to her test, her professional opinion, since Graham continued to masturbate while holding pressure to the stocking ligature after Jane showed signs of distress, he displayed an indifference to her situation. Then, after he achieved orgasm, when he didn't contact the emergency personnel to aid her, he displayed evidence that he knew his actions were not only wrong, but illegal. Therefore, he purposely intended to conceal his involvement in her death. Now, to counter that testimony, the defense actually called their own expert to the stand, Dr. Richard Shepard. Now, he is actually renowned. It was an amazing call for Graham's defense attorney to call him to the stand, actually. Especially since prior to testifying on behalf of Graham, he had some sort of involvement in several high-profile death cases in recent history, including the inquiry into Princess, the unexpected death of Princess Di. Deaths related to the 9-11 terrorist attacks in the United States and the Hungerford Massacre spree shooting in August of 1997. So he was very, you know, he's 
very well versed in that, you know, that subject. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So according to his expert toast money, there is a possibility that Jane's death resulted from what's called vagal inhibition. And let me explain what that is. In the body, the 10th pair of cranial nerves is also referred to as the vagus nerve. This nerve supplies oxygen to the person's lung, heart, and upper GI tract or digestive system. When pressure is applied to this nerve, it can lead to vagal inhibition. This in turn can lead to instantaneous death in the individual in question. You want to know a very, very high profile case where this happened was Elvis on the toilet. Oh, yeah. He had a va- he had a vagus nerve reaction, a vagal inhibition reaction when he, you know, bared down to go to the bathroom. Honestly. And that's happened what, to he me. stroked out and died instantly. It's happened to me. I've been pushing too hard. And you stroked? Don't. Well. <laughs> you stroked something. Sorry. That was, that's not important. That was hub. bad. That's not important. I, know. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. So Dr. Shepard stated that if a vagal inhibition took place, Jane's death would have occurred in as little as one to two, two seconds after the pressure was applied to her nerve. According to experts in the practice of breath plays, there have been documented cases of a person dying without showing signs of distress, which would prompt their partner to seek medical attention. That is correct. However, experts in erotic asphyxia state that death can occur when vagal inhibition occurs, as well as in other instances, including some type of interference with the body's receptors that are sensitive to blood pressure changes, which are called baroreceptors, or hemorrhaging in the brain or another part of the body, which makes sense considering he said that he saw blood. Right. right okay. Right. Yeah, makes sense. So each of these incidents may cause an individual to die without any warning. Unfortunately, Graham's attorney didn't call forth any witnesses who also who who was a documented expert in the realm of BDSM or erotic asphyxia. That was his mistake. If he had, maybe the outcome of his trials may have been different. According to reports, the state's uh, medical examiner based her expert testimony on her previous analysis of victims who died during because of strangulation. She also added her expert opinion based on her own understanding of biology related to strangulation deaths. According to her claim, it takes a person between two and three minutes to die from asphyxia related to strangulation was based on her study of murders involving asphyxiation, not necessarily from evidence gathered during any postmortem exam done on Jane after her remains were recovered. Okay? I want to make that clear. Right, right, okay? right. However, there are many who have come forward since Graham's trial that criticize her testimony as a whole. These critics claim that death resulting from the practice of erotic asphyxiation isn't remotely related to death resulting from purposeful strangulation. That's true. Especially since people who safely practice breath play do so to avoid any type of emergency, let alone death. In other words, they don't set out to kill anyone. However, it has accidentally happened. Let me explain why. We were talking about because we don't like dead people in our beds. No, because we talked we, uh, with Todd on the last episode mm-hmm. that we recorded. We talked about BDSM. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're in the dominant role, your job is to protect your submissive. Oh, totally. That is your job. That's your one. Um, that's the a number one rule. Yes. That nobody gets permanently dead or injured. So he's done this for a while. I'm pretty sure if he's done it for a while, he understands the rules. Totally. I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that he set out to kill this chick. Well, I I do give my own opinion. I try to stay unbiased throughout this whole thing till the end. Now, 
critics say that her argument that Jane's death resulted from murder didn't consider the possibility that she may have died because of a massive hemorrhage or induced arrhythmia of the heart because of a vagal inhibition. In other words, she replied too heavily on the epidemiology of murder in order to prove Graham murdered her. Right? So, although she did state that Jane's death might have resulted from vagus inhibition or an unexpected cardiac event, but she concluded her testimony by stating in her expert opinion, either of these two events was highly unlikely, whereas willful disregard of distress signals resulting in Jane's death were more probable in this situation. In the long run, people who have taken a hard look at this incident from both angles indicate that the expert testimonies of both pathologists cancel each other out. Let me explain. If Jane's death resulted from murder, it would have taken her approximately two to three minutes to die once she displayed obvious signs of distress that were blatantly ignored. However, Jane's death may have occurred within one to two seconds after pressure applied to her vagal nerve. Therefore, her death was an accident and not intentional. He would not have known that she was in distress. You know what I mean? Yep. In one to two seconds, you sometimes you don't even know what's going on in that amount of time. That is true. With significantly contradicting expert testimony, the jury wasn't really given a clear expert opinion on whether Jane's death resulted from an accident, from extreme sexual play, or murder because her obvious signs of distress were blatantly ignored. I found something bizarre about the expert testimony offered by both sides of the table during the trial, though. Even though the prosecution called their expert to testify, as did the defense, neither side called anyone to the stand to challenge the other one's expert opinion. Right. In other words, neither of the experts called disputed the claims of the expert on the other side. <laughs> Odd to say the least, coming from the perspective of someone who would want to put forth every effort to prove themselves innocent in such a case. Right. You would think that their expert would call, you know, her testimony into question. Right. So during Graham's murder trial, Fry placed a significant amount of emphasis on his argument that Graham's possession of, quote, extreme pornographic images at the time of Jane's death applied to their claim that she was murdered. According to him, the fact that he had this pornography triggered his subsequent intent to murder Jane at the time of their encounter. Therefore, he had motive to kill her when he got her to the apartment. Now. At the time Graham was arrested and charged with murder, forensic technicians found approximately, are you ready for this number? All right. 699 pornographic images on his computer depicting some sort of violence towards the subject. I got 699 porns, but that bitch ain't one. Yeah, <laughs> but just <laughs> you're so stupid. But despite that, in the trial, Fry could not present any expert testimony or documentation stating such Im- images had played a pivotal role in similar cases in the past. In fact, he just submitted the images into evidence and let the jury decide whether or not they were significant. So you're gonna dis- you're gonna put these images into evidence, but you're not gonna say, "Hey, I've proven in other cases, you know, there's precedent cases where this is proven to be, uh, you know, uh, a motivation for murder." You That's know what I mean? Retarded. I know. In reality, should either side have taken the effort to look into the matter further, there are many people in the world who own some type of pornography that depict, depict violent sex practices, including but not limited to erotic asphyxia. Yeah, I keep mine in the basement. I know. That being said, not everyone who enjoys looking at such images engages or plans to engage in murderous acts. I do. Oh, my God. I am so not even going to say anything. (laughs) Therefore, the mere fact that he had those images in his possession prior to Jane's death was a moot point. 
According to testimony presented in his trial, he began collecting extreme pornographic images depicting violent sexual activity sometime in 1996. However, his desire to participate in erotic asphyxia began approximately five years before that. Fry's, therefore, Fry's argument that Graham downloading the images within 24 hours of the incident caused Jane's death were practically unfounded. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm no, trying it's to be true. unbiased. It's true. It, it, just because you, okay, just because you own pictures of a race car, doesn't mean that you're going to be a fucking race car driver. True that, yo. You know what I mean? Like Jesus Christ, yeah. man. Now. There was also the fact that Jane's death didn't occur until approximately six to seven years after he began downloading pornographic images. Therefore, some would conclude there is reasonable doubt pertaining to the correlation between those downloads within 24 hours and her death were directly resulted from each other. I agree. Okay. Now, for those who want to argue the point, let me say this. Just because someone owns violent pornography does just Images just indicates they are aroused by such acts. It does not mean they will commit acts to make the images a reality. However, according to Fry, the mere fact he owned the material also meant he had an interest in participating in those activities. In other words, since he enjoyed viewing images of, of the violent acts, Graham had thoughts of murdering women using violent strangulation, which I don't agree with. But hey, on the flip side, Fry also argued Jane might very well have been interested in and or... In or had previously participated in breath play. In fact, despite them calling her current and previous lover to the stand to claim she had never had a desire, he counter-argued she didn't have to communicate her desire to her partners in order to have the desire, right? Right, I agree. Okay, he actually countered that. However, he did argue that the lack of evidence on her devices suggests she wasn't inclined to want to participate in such acts. Again, I would dispute that. Because she, not, she already talked to some friends at work that yes, she was into that exactly, shit. Exactly. Yeah, fucking exactly. break, man. So Jane's lack of evidence indicating her potential proclivity led to Fry's speculation that Graham may or may not have communicated his desires to engage in erotic asphyxia with Jane if they engage in consensual sex on the day in question. Therefore, this called for the possibility that his actions and her death were premeditated in nature. The only thing that contradicted those claims was the defense's witness that claimed Jane had engaged in breath play in the past and enjoyed it. Then we have Graham's own testimony, which stated he was approximately 15 years old when he began having thoughts of murdering women. He said that in 1991, approximately 12 years before Jane's death, he was afraid he might act on those thoughts, so he sought the professional help from a licensed psychiatrist. Now... When all was said and done, the jury should have been allowed to decide whether Jane's death was because of one was because of one of three potential causes: murder, where he it, where Graham intentionally set out to cause serious injury to or kill Jane Longhurst on the day in question; manslaughter, he didn't set out to murder her or cause serious injury. However, he didn't act within the confines of the law or is negligent when faced with her unintentional death, or accident. Jane's death was unpreventable thus resulting from natural causes or an unpredictable and unintentional act that didn't present enough warning to act accordingly to prevent the death from happening. Okay? Okay. Now according to his own admission prior to her death he successfully participated in erotic expiscuous sex acts with other partners on several occasions. That That in itself might suggest the whole thing was a tragic accident. 
Then again, despite the fact the possibility of death will occur when engaging in breastplate is rather low. Whenever someone repeats the process, their likelihood of incurring a risk actually does increase exponentially. You know, because the more times you do something wrong, the chances of you getting caught, kind of, it kind of plays It's Russian roulette. It. Yeah. It's Russian roulette. Yeah. Every you time know. you roll the dice. Yeah. Every time you spin that barrel, event, you know, if you get six chambers and one has a bullet in it, and you spin, and you spin that thing... Ten times, then you chances have chances of you hitting that. Yeah, they're pretty good. That means you yeah. have more than. I just had the math in my head. But I forgot it. But anyway, yeah, you got yeah. a good fucking chance. Yeah. So let's look at an interesting statistic. Okay, erotic asphyxia is actually a widely practiced fetish around the world. Reports of people dying from the practice in the UK are very low. However, in the United States, more people practice autoerotic asphyxia, which is self-induced breath play. Which I don't understand. I don't yeah. judge. I just don't understand. No, I don't either because that's how, what's his name died? Uh, David Carradine. Yeah, David Carradine. Yeah, and the singer yeah. for In Excess. Yes. And now, statistics indicate approximately five to a thousand deaths occur as a result of autoerotic asphyxia every year. In contrast, that is more than the deaths reported from lightning strikes, tornadoes, and flash flooding combined. Lord, please save us from... <laughs> I know that I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I'm going to say it with a, with, with, with a precursor to it. I actually this got actually this from a, a book. It's from a book. <laughs> and I, I had to call Squatch and tell her this line from the book that I thought was freaking hilarious. Epic. And it was, uh, it, it was written... Uh, it was supposed to be taking place in like the 30s or 40s or something like that. And the lady prays, Dear Lord, please save us from floods, famine, and runaway Negroes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and everything was going good, by the way, until that point. Of, oh, okay. <laughs> taste the racism. Yeah. Taste it. <laughs> taste the rainbow. <laughs> yep. And that rainbow was picking cotton. Yeah. So when people engage in breath play with a partner, the chances of an accidental death occurring are actually rare. Mainly because the partner controlling the restriction of oxygen is normally vigilant enough to notice if a problem occurs, therefore stopping the ritual. That being said, there is still a chance Jane's death was an accident. For instance, she could have had a pre-existing medical condition she wasn't even aware of. She could have been in an unusual position, even if it was slightly off, that caused the vagal inhibition. Or she and Graham could have misjudged the tension in the ligature as he was applying the pressure to control her oxygen supply. Those are just a few of the possibilities that would indicate her death was an accident and not intentional. Okay? However, for the trial, Fry did not offer the jury an option to return a guilty verdict of the lesser charge of manslaughter. His office didn't even entertain the idea that although Graham caused her death, it was not intentional. Therefore, if the jury felt the prosecution had proved a crime had been committed, but it did not meet the standard for murder, they would have had no other option but to acquit him of all charges. Huh. Which we found in other cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that left the jury in quite a predicament because to acquit a guilty man is a controversy all by itself. The jury returned from the deliberations on February 3rd, 2004 and announced they had found Graham guilty of murder. The judge, Justice Richard Brown, not the same one, <laughs> um, 
sentenced him to life in prison with a minimum of 30 years. Oh, maybe it is the same guy. I can't remember. Anyways, after receiving his sentence, Graham was sent to Her Majesty's Prison, Edinburgh, to serve his time. He continued to maintain his innocence, stating that Jane's death was an accident and not intentional. Therefore, he felt he only had one option, file an appeal with the higher courts. Now, the first appeal he filed showed promise, though it wasn't the outcome he had originally hoped for. On January 26, 2005, the higher court returned their decision. Although they didn't overturn his guilty verdict or order a new trial, they reduced his sentence from 30 years to 26. That wasn't good enough for Graham, so he filed another appeal with the House of Lords. I will also say that um, he has since filed a lawsuit against the penitentiary saying that he wants his view of the mountains back at the Edinburgh prison because now he's at the other Wakefield where he doesn't like to be. And I'm like, who oh the my fuck God, likes to be in who prison? cares, you know, cheating. Who, who, the <laughs> fuck, who the fuck likes to, I enjoy this prison quite a lot. I'm glad that I got put in here. That was no. Nobody has ever said that in the lifetime of fucking prisons. Ever, yeah. What's a lovely prison you have, Warden? That's fantastic. Yeah. And the food. Todd says he says that every morning. The food's exquisite. My compliments to the chef. <laughs> Pardon me. We're having fish tonight. Do you have what is your Do you have white gray poupon? <laughs> what is your white white your white wine recommendation for this fine meal of fish and chips? <laughs> fish and chips. A hearty stout ale. <laughs> yes, I'll take a hearty stout ale and a glass of water, please, with ice yeah. and a little bit of lemon. Right away, prisoner 116. Right away. <laughs> so on July 19th, 2006, he actually received the decision <coughs> of the high of the <coughs> House of Lords. The Law Lords de- stated, Law Lords, stated the, pro- I had to stop again. Stated the prosecution should have given the jury the option of finding guilt on a lesser charge, such as manslaughter. <laughs> Therefore, they had no other option but to overturn his murder conviction and send his case back to the lower courts. The House of Lords decision was confirmed on October 19, 2006 by the Court of Appeal, and Graham's original murder conviction was vacated and a new trial was ordered. Now, Graham's second trial began on June 11, 2007. The prosecution's case was almost identical to the one they presented in the first trial. After both sides argued their case called their witnesses and cross-examined the opposing side's testimonies, the jury was sent to deliberation. They returned with their decision on July 4th, 2007. In an 11-to-1 majority vote, the second jury found Graham Coots guilty of murder for the second time. The judge handed down Graham's sentence on July 5th, and he was once again sentenced to serve life in prison with a minimum of 26 years. Now, however... Since the second jury was given the option of convicting on a lesser charge of manslaughter and the severe charge of murder, he no longer <coughs> has grounds for appeal. He is currently spending his time housed at HMP, Her Majesty's Prison Wakefield, the infamous institution that housed Fred West and Harold Shipman. <laughs> you know, our two favorite, least favorite people. Yep. So after Graham's conviction, Jane's mother, Elizabeth, Longhurst and her sister Sue Barnett joined forces with Labor Party member of Parliament Martin Salter and Home Secretary David Blunkett. What a name. I love that name. I know, right? (laughs) To petition the government to change the laws related to extreme pornography. The group was hoping to push for a ban on extreme pornography possession. Now, they circulated a petition and collected over 50,000 signatures asking the government to, quote, ban extreme Internet sites promoting violence against women in the name of sexual gratification. Now, despite their valiant effort to get the public to rally behind their cause, the government maintained they 
they weren't able to shut down the dark websites that offered the extreme images and videos. Since most of the sites are legally hosted in the United States and the UK, their content falls under freedom of speech umbrella. This decision did not deter the Home Office from trying another angle. They held many sessions discussing whether they should pass laws criminalizing the possession of extreme pornographic material. Now, the bill specifically mentioned images of violent sex acts between consenting adults staged acts of realistic depictions. And in the end, 63% of the attendees voted against implementing stronger laws which address the challenges of the Internet. Despite that overwhelming opposition the implement, to implement such laws, the UK government issued a statement on August 30, 2006, indicating they were going to move forward with new laws. The new laws were set up to govern the possession of extreme pornography, and anyone caught with material fail, falling into that category could be charged with a crime that might cause them to serve a maximum of three years in prison. As you can imagine, many groups have come forward creating their own campaigns to oppose the new law. For instance, the SNN group known as Unfettered. Are you a member of that? I am not, surprisingly <laughs> enough. Write that down. Oh, launched that their campaign down. called Backlash, which directly opposes new laws that are supposed to be going into effect. The public also seems to be torn down the middle with the criminalization of extreme pornography. Those in favor of the new laws say they are a starting point to protecting women from becoming victims of tragedies like Jane's. Those who oppose the laws say implementing them won't make a difference in protecting women from violence. In fact, they will only punish individuals who aren't prone to violence. I agree. To support their argument, they have cited evidence from the U.S., Japan, Denmark, and other places that indicate sexually motivated crimes do not correlate with the availability or possession of pornographic material. They don't. I agree. Okay. Now, that's where, that's where the whole case stands. Here's where I stand on this issue. While presenting this case, I try to stick to the facts and not interject my own viewpoints. However, now is the time for me to let you know where I stand. Had Graham immediately gone to the authorities or sought help for Jane when he realized she wasn't breathing, then I might have been able to believe her death was an accident. I by no means think he lured her to his apartment the day, that day under false pretenses, nor do I think that he fully intended for her to die that day. However, because he concealed her remains in three separate locations, locations he returned to as if he were visiting his victim, this is what I think. I think Jane's death was an accident. Yet once he realized she was dead, it played out the violent fantasy he'd been having for several years. As a result, he wanted to keep playing out that fantasy in his mind. So he held onto her remains for as long as he could. Then when the decomposition got worse, he had to find a way to get rid of the remains, which he did in the wooded area. Therefore, I believe the jury was right when they convicted him of murder. In my opinion, he took manslaughter off the table when he didn't report the incident immediately because he knew her death was wrong and he tried to conceal it for as long as he could. Everyone is entitled to their own sexual kinks as long as they are not harming someone else against their will in the process. What goes on behind closed doors with two consenting adults is none of our business as a public. Once the consent is no longer there, the situation becomes criminal and is no longer harmless sex. Yeah, it's harmless. That's where I stand. Where do you stand on this case? I don't. I sit. Okay. What, what, are your, what is your opinion? 
I can I, I can see your point on that. You know, he did conceal it, but it just makes me wonder if he panicked or not. But then he I, visited her. Yeah, that's that's what got me sitting right with me. But I don't. I I agree. He didn't set out to murder her. Yeah. Because this is something he's done for a while and shit like that. <sighs> but the fact that he said that there was bleeding when he noticed that she wasn't breathing tells me that she hemorrhaged somehow. Right. 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 Um, I, so that to me screams accident. If he would have just, oh my God, I had an, we had an accident during this thing. I, I don't well, think he would have been charged. With maybe anything. he visited the body, still trying to figure out what the fuck he's going to do. Like, okay, the body's right here. I'm still panicking. What the hell am I going to do? We don't. There's no. Yeah, way for that's us to true. Know. There's no way for us to know. This one makes you want to poop. Thank you. You're welcome. I think. <laughs> but anyways, that's I. I'm done with this one now. All right. Remember, boys and girls, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Medium, on wherever you get your blogs. Right now, you can log on to uh, the Citizens of Brutal Nation page on Facebook or the Facebook page for Brutal Nation. We have a link to our Etsy store. So no, can... not our Etsy. We changed oh, that's it, right. Remember? We changed it. I'm sorry. Yeah, correction. Jesus. No, we'll have a new link. We're going to have a new link. Yeah, it's a Printify storefront, but yeah. Right, which means that you get your stuff faster, and uh, yes. and everybody comes out happier. Check it out, man. we got all kinds of shit on there for our serial killer stuff, for uh, the Twisted Blue Band, for Sasquatches, because, you know, Squatch over here has to represent for her people. That's right. Um, Power to the people. Power to the Squatch. Power to the Squatch. Squatch eyes matter. That's right. <laughs> Power to the Squatch. No, this way they're getting it direct from our suppliers. So Right, right, right. And this show is copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, especially podcasts who want to emulate us, they're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. And we will see you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.